to do to get the clinic busier? That was the question. Um, okay, I better make this good because people waited for 30 minutes for this. Um, <laughs> things that are really important to get your clinic busier, actually busier. One is going to be meet people. Get out, meet new people. The more people you meet, the more people are going to be coming in. If you're not meeting somebody new, you're not making the time to talk to people, meet to people, they're not going to become a new patient. I don't care how it is that you're meeting new people, but if you're not having that interaction, don't just assume that you have to or that you can just post a link on a website or post a link on, on Instagram and somehow people are just going to magically show up. Those are connection points, but the more you're physically talking to people, I think that'll help people get busier. So as always, communication is going to be key. I think the second thing that I would say for clinics to get busier is for people to have good customer service once they walk in the door. So if you have a problem and the problem is I don't have enough people walking in my door, that's fixed by meeting new people and connecting with new people. If people are walking in your door, but they're not staying long, then you have probably a customer experience gap. So people want to have some kind of experience nowadays. So make yourself unique, do something that somebody down the block isn't doing and really make it a memorable reason for them coming back in. Is that helpful? Is that good? Haley, would you add to that since I can now finally hear you? Yeah, I was just kind of thinking while you were talking because those are, especially the first one, is a really great thing that you can do outside of the clinic. And then you kind of touched on things that you can do inside the clinic. I think um, one of the best things that you can, you can do with your patients um, for referrals is to have good relationships with the patients that you have and have relationships with patients that are the type of patients that will send you referrals. And so for that, I kind of always defer back to boundaries, what your boundaries are with the patient. Because if, if your patients are running you, then you don't even have, you don't even have the kind of patients set up to, to get referrals from. And, and, and patients love to tell their friends and family how much they're getting help. So if you have good patients already, because you have healthy boundaries with your patients, then you're already set up. You're already set up. Her referrals with all Sharina's internal marketing tips because then you're set up with the quality people lined up. Awesome. I kind of would like to loop that back in to where we started because we started with, what do you say, what tips do you have, both of you, for, for people about how to be a little bit more brave to get out there and, and do these things? Oh. Keely, do you want to talk about being brave? I want to talk about men and women and uh, that feeling of not good enough. Uh-huh. Being men brave. And women? Men yeah. and women? Birds and the bees? A little bit, yeah. A little bit about I'm, that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little radical feminist for about 45 seconds. Shall I just dive in? Here's Go my ahead. theory. Yeah. So I've been watching some TED Talks, people. Saving you some time. Uh, one, and one of the things I thought was, was really interesting in this, and I don't remember who the heck it was, so I might post this link. But the idea is that this being brave idea, and I'm not talking the Brené Brown being brave, brave, you know, vulnerability. It's this idea of actually, it's almost a cultural thing that little girls are grown up 
are, are, are when they're growing up are taught to be careful, right? To be precise, to be a certain way. Whereas little boys are taught in more, you know, jump off the monkey bars, do stupid shit, watch jackass, be like that. And that translates as we get older into a very narrow comfort zone, but also this idea of, uh, when women ask questions, we ask questions like, if we don't know something, it's our fault for not knowing it. Or this idea that if we don't, we have to be perfect in order to move forward. We have to know everything in order to get over this gap. And what they found in this TED talk that I'm not doing very good justice to is that by the time we're about 20 or 30, that women will only apply for jobs if they have 100% of the qualifications for it, but a man on average will apply for a job if they have more than 60% of the qualifications for it. And that's what that started to kind of trigger things in my head of, so part of this idea of being brave and part of this idea of not feeling good enough is also kind of how we women often think, which is I need to be better than other people in order to succeed, or I need to be better internally before I can see, or I need to lose weight in order to be successful, or I need to be prettier or wear makeup, or I need to, do you know what I mean? Or I have to do it all. I have to be able to balance the spirituality and the emotional side of things and the mental side of things and the physical side of things and the kids and the, do you know what I mean? Um, and I don't think that that gives us a solution. I think that gives us a way to talk about the problem. So my idea is simply that what we have very limited time. All of us have limited time. We all have the ability to take care of other people and we have to put ourselves first every time. Do we agree with that? Put ourselves first so we can take care of other people rather than our patients first if we put ourselves first. And I think that right off the bat is being brave a little bit. If we put ourselves that little tiny bit first, I think that's going to be helpful. Um, and maybe start with something just really small, something that you can be brave about rather than going, you know what, I have to have a clinic seeing 110 a week or having these crazy goals that are way out there, starting with something that is really about taking care of yourself and being brave about that individual decision. Does that make sense? What do you think? I'm kind of talking out loud and I'm sorry, it was way better 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Blame it on the no, I, issues. No, it's fine. I totally. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, Sharina. You're, you're really, you're really speaking against the, um, the way some aggressive masculine energy kind of um, dominates the meeker feminine and for us to all be more in balance with both aspects of ourselves and not um not look for excuses or reasons or or even just submit to cultural norms um that are shaping our thoughts that we might not realize that these things are influencing us and so taking an honest look at that mm -hmm. yes that's what i was trying to say one of the things i heard from sharina too you mentioned taking i'll paraphrase smaller bites or smaller yeah things are not smaller things but maybe take one thing on or take something on is that is that kind of where you're going with that yeah 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 be brave in smaller steps if you're like there is no way i can get up in front of a 
a group of 50 people or 20 people and give a talk on how to do cupping, okay, we'll take a step back and maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to join Toastmasters or maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, put up a poster or something like that. Or I've decided I'm going to go work out every day of the week at seven o'clock in the morning, but something that's a smaller chunk that you do feel brave enough. You do feel like you can take that one little step. I'd rather take a little step towards personal development and personal change rather than me yell at a bunch of people saying, you're not doing it my way. I need you to get to this, like to take this quantum leap. Some people aren't ready to do quantum leaps. And I find um, mm -hmm. more often than not, there are some, you know, people out there that are like, you've got to do a hundred percent of the things in order to be successful. And I'm like, you know what, you can do 5% of the things and still be really successful. So don't worry about it. Just don't be comfortable in your shell. Just, or whatever, wherever you are comfortable, just be ready to step that little bit out every single day. Yeah, I think um, small steps towards bravery is what you're saying. So it doesn't feel like such a big, such a big massive undertaking, like retraining your brain slowly, a little bit at a time. Yeah. Um, Danielle, how do you feel about speaking in public in front of people? You know, I'm super excited about it. Not at all. Would you rather speak in front of 100 people or 15 people? Or does it matter? 15? I mean, 100 like a huge leap. Mm -hmm. But one is better. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? There's that mental... <laughs> My first talk was in front of about 100 people, and I was like, shaking <laughs> yeah and it was so so not cool but after it i was like oh these are these are they got easier and easier and easier and i don't care who it is but typically they will get easier i just go back to barbara streisand barbara streisand is still nervous after or before every single concert she's done concerts to a hundred thousand people probably and every single time she's like i'm ready to barf and i'm super scared i'm like just it's okay and some you know some of people will talk about how being an introvert is a negative in this field I completely disagree I think it's very much a positive introverts are better listeners they are so much better one-on-one -on -one, uh, with hearing what the other person is actually saying as well as not saying but meaning there there's a very there's a much stronger connection than just you know somebody who's raw 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 cheerleading out there um, so I think the more you play to your strengths, whether that's, I'm fine getting up in front of 50 people, or I'm fine being on a podcast half an hour late after a whole bunch of troubleshooting issues. Um, I think that, you know, that we take those little bits of power and we, we turn those, they're always strengths is my point. They're always I, strengths. I totally agree. I mean, you could be an introvert. And step out of that and do what you have to do and you yep. can even find a way to enjoy it too yeah so definitely agree with that so i really look forward to danielle's first uh public speaking engagement that's it's not my nice. first i have had first, first, as an, first as an acupuncturist is though? it is it though maybe this counts you know what i mean <laughs> all right it's gonna be great it's gonna be a good time mm-hmm 
When is this? Where am I? Am I missing this? Well, Danielle, when are you speaking publicly? <laughs> <laughs> it's yet to be scheduled. <laughs> right now, oh, okay. like literally, we handcuffed her right to the chair and turned on her video. <laughs> this, yeah, this is this is it. This is the first, really. Oh, if anybody okay. ever wants to come on the uh, the podcast too. I think that would be a great thing for people to experience. And I love that because then it's also our peers. Mm -hmm. And so it's both strangers, but also no patients. So you right. don't have to, it doesn't have to be perfect, clearly. And yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think we should have like two or three people that they, you know, the intro totally. where they can come on these things. There will be a, a degree of busting chops and hazing. Although I, I couldn't do that to Keely. I don't know what it was. Hazing. There was this, there was this thing with Keely. I just you like, were afraid of me. <laughs> it could be called fear. Fear could be one way of putting it. That that could work. <laughs> but I choose to think that it's something else other than fear. Like respect. Definitely. Oh, we wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Lots of that. Lots of that for everyone. So, do we have any questions to to get rolling? So, if people are tuning in. If not here yet, I have some written down from people that submitted earlier. Okay. Um, so if you don't see any there, we can go here. Um, I think, you know, talk about getting out there and talking to people. Um, how do you sell acupuncture to new patients inquiring about how we can help them? <laughs> that was the question. How do we sell acupuncture? That was the question. That's a great question because yeah. we don't. Isn't that a good one? We don't sell acupuncture. I think you guys would all agree. We, it kind of sells. I know. Itself. I know where you're going with this. I know. You do or you don't. I'm so proud of myself for knowing. I do. <laughs> okay, then Josh gets to whatever I miss. Please, please dive you're, in. You're, sell, you're selling a solution. Selling yeah, it's a solution. Exactly, exactly. The what? The acupuncture? The cupping? The Whatever you're doing, that's not the solution. You, you are the solution. So you don't have to sell it to a single person. People decide if they trust you, if they want to work with you, how long they want to work with you uh, based on those initial meetings. And if you come across as skeezy and like you are trying to be that used car salesman, I, I don't think people stay for a long time very often. I think if you're trying to, make that, you know, package sale, you know, prepay now, get 50% off. I think people see through that. I think we have really sophisticated consumers out in the world now. And I think it does them a disservice to, to make it too salesy. Don't get me wrong. I do think that we're still going to be charging well for our services and we're still going to be, um, uh, doing well. I just don't think we have to be selling acupuncture. And actually on that point, when it comes to marketing, I don't do screenings where I'm, where I'm doing, Hey, have you ever tried acupuncture? Let's do a few needles. See what you think. I don't do that kind of marketing either. Cause I don't, I don't think that works either. Do you guys do screenings? Any of you? Oh, yeah, no. I, I, I was doing when I had the clinic, it was um, open houses. Yeah. Events on Facebook and people would come in. But I mean, for I don't know how many years I was selling acupuncture. So I did that wrong. I yeah. totally oh, I'm sure we all have. Right? We all have. I, like, yeah. 
I was um, listening to a management thing a few months ago from someone, and I really liked what they said. They said, go for no in your consult, go for no. Like you're, you're trying to get the patient to say no, because what I think that that does is that takes the pressure off the practitioner, because when people put pressure on themselves, like I have to get this patient to sign up for this because I need this money. That's like, that is like a skeezy car salesman vibe. And that's a turnoff for people. But if you're going for no meaning, I have no stake in this. I'm not emotionally attached to the outcome. This is what you need to get better. And this is what I recommend. And you come off like that confidently. And um, people, people can see that and yeah. they'll feel much more comfortable with you. Mm-hmm. And I think what they mean with they say go for no is that if you know your closing rates, if you know you need to see 10 people in order to close one, by the time you've gone through 10 people or eight or nine people, you know, I'm getting to the yes. So the idea of if you know how many people, I think that might be a uh, possibly a Grant Cardone or something like that, but it's this idea of, yeah, you need to go through a certain number of no's to get a yes. And I would agree with that at a screening. In your clinic though, I don't necessarily want to go for a no, but what I want to do is I want to see rather than that neediness, that dependency, that I really need you to pay money to me right now. Otherwise my lights are going out. That vibe definitely kills it. But if you're sitting there listening and you're seeing, you're genuinely asking the patient, how can I help you? What is it that you're looking for from me as a practitioner? How can I help you improve your health? You know, whatever that is, it could be lose weight, have more energy. It can be all kinds of things. But if I'm focusing on how I can help them rather than what I think they need, then I think that that works just as well as better. I think yeah, you, answer that. You, can't, you can't need the patient um, more than they need you. And, and, and if you think that that's something that you, you resolve, wait till your clinic gets slow. Yeah. Back in. And you, you also can't want your patient to get better more than they want to get better. That's, that's a big one. So true. That goes back to your point on boundaries too, right? Thank you. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. All right, next question. We have a question that came up on the Facebook live feed from Sean. I'm just starting to build my practice and I'm barely scraping by. I have the basic tools to run a basic acupuncture clinic, but I would love to add some herbs, foot soaks, improve my website, take a CMTW course to boost my skills, do some marketing, etc. Should I borrow money for this type of stuff or bust ass? with the basics until I can afford to upgrade the things on my own. I was raised to be very cautious about borrowing and I already have 75,000 in student debt, but I've been stuck at the same patient number for the last three months. Thanks. That's an awesome question. Cause there I've was... got one answer. Can I answer this? Yep. Yeah. Perfect. The answer is take a CMTW course, <laughs> like hands down because every single class that we have taken every single um, thing where we've invested in ourselves, it pays us returns, right? So when people come to my class, I guarantee that they're going to make the same money, but double it within a week or two, right? So every single person who's ever come to my seminar gets way more than they could use. So if you or more than they could, more than they've invested, that's what I'm trying to say. So if I had a choice between going into debt for like products and herbs that are just going to sit on my shelf because I don't have the people coming in who are going to buy it. So that's not going to help me. That's just going to sit on my shelves. If I 
put money into marketing, but I don't know how to market, then it's going to be the same thing. I don't know how to turn that. Oh no. Did I just lose you guys? Hold on. Here we no, I we're here. Okay. Perfect. Sorry. I, I told, turned a notification and told it to go away, but my whole screen went away. Um, so yeah, either I'm going to have products sitting there getting dust or I'm going to have, I'm going to spend a bunch of money marketing on something that I don't necessarily know how to, or I'm going to pay for a bunch of ads that I still don't know how to transition that into good patients. Clearly, if you're at the same numbers for three months, you're doing this actually, because you're not going to be keep seeing patients at three times a week or twice a week for seven months. So you're actually already going down. Uh, so you don't have enough people walking in the door. You don't, you're not getting enough referrals and you're not keeping people long enough. You're just keeping them enough to keep the same numbers. So you need more internals and more externals. And the way to do that is to come to a class. So, like, so, yeah. So Sean followed up. Okay. Thanks. Of the CMTW courses, do you recommend a marketing course or a skills course? I mean, I, I would say based from your original post and exactly what Sharina just said, you're stuck at the same numbers. If you can get to one of those marketing courses, if not get that, get Sharina's webinar. Yeah. Get your numbers to uptake a little bit and you won't ask these questions. You'll be at the next skills class. Yeah. Sean, Sean, you need to look into Orlando. I think that's Sharina. When is your Orlando seminar? Is that uh, in January? It's in January. Because so. Sharina, Sharina and Chris are doing a seminar together in Orlando. That's, it's a marketing and a pulse because you're interested in maybe learning some more skills. So if that's something that you're interested, that's like two birds with one stone for the marketing and the pulse. The other thing that I would say on the retail end is um, keep your retail simple until you're confident in learning Pulse because I think any practitioner can tell you stories of how much money we've blown through on wasted retail. A company that I love to work with is Botanical Biohacking because their products are so simple and wide, wide use for everything. Um, so you're not going to have tons of retail going bad or expired. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to know is um, what are your prices? I'm wondering if your prices are too low or if they're um, good for your area because you should have, if you have been at the same number for three months, then you should have quality patients who are, who, who are lined up to send you referrals, their husbands, their friends, their, their family members. And Sharina has a million tips for internal marketing and the patients that you already have set up. But if your prices are too low or if you have the kind of patients who are, who are the boss of your clinic, then you're not going to be well positioned to grow your business because you don't have the, you don't have the right, the right patients to start. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of want to hug Keely right now. <clears throat> so let's, let's remember that a lot of these oh sorry Keely are you set yes I'm finished no I was just saying that uh, you know all all of the above you know and um you don't need a lot of the things that Sharina covers don't cost money a lot of it is ex like for yeah. example what's your retention yep marketing to existing clients getting more referrals from those existing clients yep that There's December so seminar different. I just did you can buy that, what, the December seminar was, what, seven or eight or nine things you can do in December. In December alone. And in January, uncovering what to do in 2019. So mm -hmm. those two days, plus Chris, oh my gosh, can we just brag about Chris Valesky right now? Well, you can always, master. You can, they are separate. <laughs> you mean Al Chris? <laughs> you, can, you can go to 
Sharina's alone. That's on Friday, January 18th as well. I hope we covered it. Sean, the, the thing is, it sounds like, yeah, it's just some tweaks, some tweaks. And, you know, just with needles. I mean, the one thing I loved about when I did have a community clinic, um, and by the way, community clinic, let's keep in mind, is more of the layout. You can charge full price and have people in a community room. And they will, one thing that Tim actually mentioned to uh, in one of our groups last week was, and this is the thing that I noticed really obvious is that they, they do the marketing for you in a community clinic. All the people sit around and they do the marketing for you. They talk to each other. They tell them their experiences. It's like, you know, oh, well, it helped with what this. What they're in for. What they're in for. And some people come in for pain. They don't know that it ha that you can do all these other things as well. So the community layout is definitely, a um, you know, you don't have to charge too little. So, and, and that, when, when, when I had that clinic, it was just the needle. That's all it was. Well, the needle can do a lot. So definitely, I think you have a lot of potential. Awesome. Great question, though. Great answer. What's the next uh, question, Danielle? Sure. Well, Adrian has asked, what's a CMTW course? I think Adrian's kind of being a wise and high. I think so. <laughs> Adrian. <laughs> really? Who's Adrian? And Adrian has won the, the ability to be a panelist on I our said, I was just going to say. For <laughs> that amount of sarcasm. He's coming on I'm going to give him my seat. <laughs> no, no, no. You're staying here. It's just going to grow. The grid's going to grow. The gallery's going to grow. Awesome. He'll be logged in as Serena a third time. <laughs> yeah, right. Excellent question. Um, do you... Okay. Um, I could always use more time management tips for running multiple rooms, especially with really talkative patients. Oh, that's awesome. So is this, is this Bree's question? Yes. And there's follow-up questions. Okay, that. good. So you want to start there or do you want to? Sure. I have a one-liner. I use it all the time. I love it. I just say, thank you for telling me that. One second. Just one second. That was very important. <laughs> all right so now we're going to start the treatment i don't care what you're saying oh that was so important one second i got to get your file one second that was really important that you told me that <laughs> no matter what it was i don't know there are just some patients that don't get any social cues at all no, no it's true, it's so true. but you'd be amazed at how well that works for the vast majority and it comes down to whatever they tell you. Like if it's, it's different if you're in a consultation with that brand new patient who's never met you and you're trying to build rapport versus you've got a regular patient and they're like, hey, what's up? Let me tell you what I did this weekend and yes. putting in needles. And I mean, that mm -hmm. comes, I'm going to go back to key leaves, boundaries, right? So you have to be prepared to leave the room. If you're not leaving the room during your treatments, that's a huge time management thing. So you have to start teaching your patients that, okay, here's what we do. I come in for four minutes or 12 minutes and I put the needles in and I say, bake like cookies or whatever you want to do. I now leave for eight minutes or 15 minutes or 22 minutes or 29 minutes, but bye-bye. You have your little doorbell or alarm if something goes wrong. Other than that, you are leaving. So 
just it's about informing the patients as to what's going to happen but if you're just like i'm not yeah. leaving the room speaking of being brave speaking of getting out of your comfort zone and starting to do one thing that will absolutely build your practice it's leaving your damn room yeah mm -hmm. yep and yeah I, Keely, go for it oh okay uh, yeah because i was actually wondering if free um because it sounds like these are existing patients that she has a tr has a problem with. So it sounds like she, I think, maybe um, made some boundary missteps in the very beginning. And so patients, the way that she said it, like, I wondered if it was starting to be a problem, like they're kind of dominating the time and she doesn't know how to undo it. And so um, I love Sharina's tip of interrupting that. Yeah, that was, um, that was very important. Just one second. It was very important. Yes. Great. That was okay. very important. But I also, th I think that um, if it's a, if it's a habit with a lot of existing patients, that you're going to have to rework your boundaries consistently, especially if there's any if there's any piece, Bree, I'm talking to you. If there's any piece of you that kind of feels like, is there something that your patients are getting from this? Like, are they rude to you? Are they the kind of patients that continuously complain about their conditions and then they're not following the recommendations? Those would be red flags that they're emotionally manipulating the time and that's part of what they're getting out of the treatment. It's part of what they're coming, coming for. They're getting something out of the interaction. And so standing your ground and being really firm with your boundaries is gonna do two things. It's gonna stop that excess talking time and it's also probably gonna weed out the patients who are are coming to you because of what they're getting in terms of emotional support like that's draining a little bit from you and so to move forward with new patients coming in and to have those boundaries established i would over over the consult or whatever you call your initial meeting i would i would tell them up front so this care plan includes 10 acupuncture treatments two consults two re-exams and so they're kind of getting the and you're letting them know so that they have the clear idea that they're coming in, they're going for acupuncture, you guys can talk more at the re-exam. And so to train your patient with that, what I do is, you know, I'll walk my patient or someone from the front desk will walk the patient to the room and it'll be, here's your room, you can get ready, the, the bed's warmed up for you, we'll be in in a minute to get the needles in. And that kind of, it takes away any coddling time. And I definitely still like update with my patients a little bit while I'm talking and needling, but I'm in a position where where I have control over my time. <clears throat> I love that point, Keely. That was so important. I took freaking notes and I nearly interrupted you to say, that was really important, hold on a second. But I took the notes. <laughs> um, no, so good, so yeah. good. That idea of there are those people who just emotionally manipulative, that kind of thing. Um, but also one thing that I do is I have treatment hours and I have consult hours. And if somebody comes in, like I was just in a car accident, I'm like, I'm so sorry, because you're booked for a treatment and that requires examination and consultation. I need to know what's going on. I need more time with you. You're not booked for that time today. I'm so sorry. You're going to book nice. in tomorrow for this consultation because I need 30 minutes with you or I need 10 minutes with you. I don't have that. You are booked for my four minutes needles in and my two and a half minutes needles out. Or do you know what I mean? Like I don't, it maybe take you yeah. 12 minutes of treatment and five minutes out or you get 10 minutes and then your acupuncturist comes in and pulls out the needles and that's all they get. So training patients that, you know what, if something has happened that you need more time with me, I need 
to book extra time. And it's okay to say no to your patients. I and love how this keeps coming back to boundaries and being brave. And there's another reason to book more patients per hour. Mm -hmm. If you book an hour, you're not going to need it. You shouldn't. Well, and book more patients an hour, they see more people in your waiting room. They see that you're busy and you're bouncing from room to room. And they'll even remark like, oh, wow, you're busy. Like, yeah. hello, mm -hmm. yeah, they get it. So just by the environment that you've put them in, they see that you're busy. And then they're going to respect your time a lot more. And they're not going to be as taken back when you're like, I have to go. Yeah. And even if you're not busy, but you want to show that you're busy, leave the room, right? Set a timer on your phone to go off in 15 minutes so that when you get the buzz in your phone, go, okay, I've got to go to my next patient. Just bake like cookies. I'll see you soon and Patients, leave. So yeah. you have that, that like, just leave the room. I don't care if you're checking Facebook. For during their patient, but <clears throat> they love to see you be, being busy. So even if it's, uh, you know, you're running two shifts a day with, you know, 12, 14, 15 people per shift and you take a break, that's fine. That works. You, you, you're only busy two, two short shifts a day. They don't know that. They think you're busy because you are actually. So really, that really helps. And how many of us have had those patients where we make changes, but those patients are still kind of there? And you're like, oh my God, you know, you're like I've, I did such a bad job training these, these patients. Right. Yeah. Can they all be like these new ones? And you, you know, you'll, you'll have like 90% new patients, but you'll have those like 10% that are still. Oh, like, I kind of, okay, Josh, I want to fix yeah. your problem right now. Can I fix your problem? Because I'm not covering this in January, but that I can do this. So I have a form and it's called the patient update form. Mm -hmm. And I simply ask my patients, have you moved? Have you changed your address? Uh, do you have a new cell phone number? Do you have a, a provide, new provider? Um, do you have a new email address? No problem. You know, all of that. So it doesn't matter how long they've been there, but I just, it's a five minute consult. It's like every, everybody does it at the beginning of January. I just make sure everybody's got their information updated, right? And mm -hmm. then I ask them, do you want text reminders this year? Do you want your receipts emailed? Do you want them printed, et cetera, et cetera. But then I go, and here's the new stuff this year. Here's our new fees. Here's our new processes. Here's our new policies. Here's our new missed appointment fee. This is just FYI for you. Thank you so much for telling me your new text message. Here's the stuff. <laughs> so I, I love how you tweak in rate changes just like that. Just like, oh, just like that. That's oh, great. That's great. I'm just saying, if yeah, I'm doing I that, yeah, I, I usually yeah, let I like that a lot. months in advance as well, but, or like two months in advance usually, but. One thing quick, I just want to, Matt uh, put a comment in. He said, you know, he finds that seeing five, six people an hour is less draining than one to two. It, Absolutely. It is. Yes. Counterintuitive. Yes. Oh, yeah. Energizing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What, um, I got a great quote. Hold on. Because I prepared for this. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, basically we don't, we know, we know, ha we have no free time. We have no downtime. We have only lifetime. That's Henry Rollins. And this idea that uh, if you're not like you drain your energy throughout the day, it's not that you're tired. It's that you're uninspired. So that being one an hour is your, it, you're not healing enough. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You're not in. This is why I teach these classes because it increases my inspiration. Same thing. Sure. So you're just five or six an hour. You're 
you're on top of stuff. You're inspired. You're happy. You're helping people. It just fills you up. Mm-hmm. One an hour, three a week. Oh my God. Hex, yeah. There's nothing worse than. Do you oh, guys man. know how many new patients I had my first week in my practice? Ever? No, the very first week that I opened this practice that I'm in currently. How many new patients did I have my first seven days? 30. No. Anybody else want to guess? 50. You're I had, I had zero patients, so I did marketing like hell. <laughs> How many new patients walking in the door? I'm not saying they started care, but I had people walking in the door for a consult. 113. Nice. First week, two practitioners. Yeah. That, That's that. how you start a practice, people. Yeah. Yeah. Hit the ground running. Yep. So, so Bree says, thank you for that. And she had another question. She's like, what, uh, wants to know what are things to plan for or consider when planning the transition from an independent contractor to a business owner? And also on that note, she is your first volunteer, Sharina, for the Save My Clinic show. Nice. Yeah, Sharina, when you, when you, when we video you going. <laughs> I love it. To overhaul people's clinics, Bree is lined up. Bree, that's kind of a, that's a pretty vast question. So I wasn't really sure how to yeah, interpret that, but I, I just had a few recommendations, some things just on the financial end, um, equipment, needles, your own malpractice insurance, obviously all the stuff that's being paid for with the company that you work, you're gonna, that's going to be out of your own pocket now, negotiating your lease, negotiating three months in a lease, um, Form scheduling software, um, strategies for care plans. If you're currently under direction from someone else as to how that goes, then you might want to think up your own policies. Sharina, what do you have? Okay, so this is going from an independent contractor in somebody else's clinic to owning my own clinic or being my own solo practitioner? Yeah, but she, um, she, so she's in a pediatric office now and she has a really good referral relationship with that office and she's either staying in that office or moving like across the hall, really close by. Okay, so it's still too broad of a question for me. I need it chunked down into what's your problem? Cause that's so talk to her, Sharina, talk yeah. to her about marketing between the the pediatric office. I think that you could probably think of some really good suggestions between would, her building easy. up a good, ref, a stronger referral network. Yeah. I would just, if they're literally across the hall, I just have big posters, big posters. I think they so share an office there. currently. Oh, so can I, if I can do some sort of, can I talk to all of their new patients? Can I, uh, can so I connect talk. with all of their patients? Can I get their email list, list for all of their patients? Can I send a, you know, a gift basket to all of their patients? Do you know what I mean? Like I would just be, how much information can I get from your current patients? And if not, then you need to connect with the medical professionals and ask, what can I do in the waiting room? What can I, and I also wouldn't count on them because maybe they think, oh yeah, one, one or two people a month is all you need when what you actually want are five a week of new patients starting. So I wouldn't rely on just that. Um, but yeah, let's talk more, Brie. Liv is up super, super late, and she has a question in the Q&A. Can we ask this one since Danielle keeps disappearing from the video? I'm here. I know, honey, I know, but you're putting your kids to bed and stuff too. So, so Liv is asking, 
she hears great feedback on progress in the clinic, but how do I capture this kind of progress? I can't get them to go and do a Google review. Uh, they get too self-conscious. If I, if I put a video on the phone, what should I do? Um, so Liv is not in the US, so there might be some cultural differences as well. Being from Canada, that's something that I struggle with too. A lot of my patients are like, yeah, I don't wanna be on video. Um, they want some privacy. So you can do a couple of way, things. So I would have a form that uh, you just go, thank you so much for that feedback. Let's filling it out. So if it's written down and you're putting it into their file. So first of all, you're helping the patient and you're putting something into their file to say, this is their feedback. Then you want to ask for permission to use their words on a poster inside the clinic or on a form inside the clinic. We call them our patient of the months or rave reviews, or you can call them patient testimonials. You can call them patient stories. You can call them our successes, whatever word just kind of works for you. Or um, our amazing results, things like that. Uh, you want to find out what symptom you're helping them with. You want to find out um, uh, how long they've, how many treatments it took and just try to get all that information and then have them sign that form. And that sign says, yes, I can use their first name or, and they check that box or yes, I would like my picture taken. Yes, I'm open to a video. Yes, I'm open to a Google review online or a, or any other review online, or yes, I'm open to having my information on the website. And so you can kind of walk them through their own level of comfort. And I have a number of patient stories in my clinic that has symptoms and then their story, which is a paragraph. And then it's just two initials at the bottom because that's all they felt comfortable. And then I have some that have the patient face and then their first name at the bottom. And then I have some that have wanted me to put it on their website. <laughs> exactly. That face, that exact face, Josh. Um, <laughs> and then I have some that have gone on Google and done reviews. Now here's what I will tell you though. I love to give a thank you to anybody who does a review for me. And the first thing I do is I give them a gift certificate for a friend or family member to come in for an initial consultation and exam. As my oh, gift. that's good, Shrina. That's good. Because those like people that. giving me great reviews are going to be great for. for good stuff. I hope that helps Liv. Thank you for staying up so late. Danielle, next question. Oh, wait, she's muted. Let me unmute. Wait, wait, I got it. I got it. There you yeah. go. How do you find quality staff from Kristen, who's been struggling, I guess, keeping good staff? She feels like she's paying well. Who here has staff? Josh, do you have staff? Not anymore. I have. Really? Keely, you have staff, oh, right? CMTW. I have one girl. Yeah. Danielle, no staff? <sighs> All right, so this is for everybody then. I have a walking staff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm your staff, Josh, kind of. Um, Thank you and me both. Yeah, that's right. Um, how do you get good staff? That is such a good question. Uh, the answer is always be hiring. I would love to tell you there is a shortcut to this. Uh, I would love to uh, help you find people certainly in my forms package that people can buy 
there is questions that I ask on an interview and kind of that process. I, um, I've been hiring staff now for almost 18 years. Uh, back when I was running a consulting firm before uh, I was an acupuncturist and it's getting tougher to get really good staff. So um, I like to also always carry my business cards in addition to going to your websites where you can, you know, upload a resume, your Indeed and your LinkedIn and all those other places where you can go. Um, and by the way, I used to work for monster.com. So hiring is something that I do feel that I am even more of an expert in than marketing and uh, acupuncture actually back in the day. Um, but one thing I like to do is I'd like to carry around my cards. And uh, if I'm anywhere, if I'm locally and I'm walking into a hotel and somebody's giving me great service or I'm walking into a fast food coffee place and I'm getting great service, I will simply ask the person, hi, you know what? I just, I love the service I'm getting here today and I'm actually, I have a clinic here and I'm hiring people and I just, if you know someone, that's my key. If you know someone who is currently looking for a job, if you could pass on my card, because I really appreciate the service I'm getting here. Um, and I think you guys might be able to help me find the right kind of person that I'm looking for. Here's why I say it that way. If you know someone, because all of these places have cameras, and the second I say, hey, I'm hiring your job, they're gonna get fired. If I say, hey, do you wanna come work for me? They're gonna get fired. I don't want that. But if I kind of approach it as I'm hiring and I love what you guys are doing here, if you know anybody else who's like the team here, um, maybe give that a try. But I will go to grocery stores, I will go to coffee shops, I will go to hotels, I will go everywhere. And I do group interviews too. And I do them every three months, whether I have people or not. I have two staff mm. currently. I love them. I wish I had five. That's a really good point. So you don't actually have to necessarily be hiring. Trina's saying that used to people walking out, walking out the door. And I think, I think Kristen, she lives in, in my state. So um, I think she said she was paying between 13 and $15 an hour to her employees. Um, you know, in this area or in my state, you know, that's kind of a revolving door position. I don't think that there's a lot of room for growth. And wow. so to kind of be aware of the fact that people are going to be coming in and out so that you're always kind of looking and just being okay with the fact that if these are your rates, then, you know, people might outgrow that position. And another thing that you could potentially do is create a position for people to grow into. So my receptionist is also my foot silk attendant, and she has the potential to make commission on foot silk sales. And so that's something that she can grow as big as she wants, depending on how creative she wants to get. So, true. Um, so and oftentimes the other thing is no one wants to work where there's any drama. So Kristen, don't hire drama queens and don't be a drama oh, my queen. Word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sharina, on that note, Stacey want, has a follow-up question. Can you walk us through the group interviews? Not here. 
oh my god how no, late do you guys want to be up no <laughs> what, are, what are some of the other questions that were submitted um i had a you question know, oh, i will say though that um my inter some of my interview questions are in the forms package that they can download tonight if they're hiring but it's 9 48 my time i'm not going to be on here till midnight people i have to <laughs> Oh my God, come to Orlando and I'll walk you through it. Uh, you don't have to do a group interview though, but I mean- Stacey, just... it involves a cold, dank basement with a single light bulb hanging from a long wire. Fold <laughs> <laughs> out chairs that, is, that are creaky. One of them's three-legged. <laughs> Whoever gets on that one doesn't get hired. So she's got a little weeding out process. Mildly, <laughs> moldy. You know what? With staff, you- <laughs> In all honesty, staff, you can weed people out very quickly, right? If somebody shows up and they just don't, you, you and if they don't like the basement, you don't want them. Yeah, if like they if they feel uncomfortable when you're talking to them like this. Just ask. You know what? If I have one question, I want to ask oh, them. Dear. What's your experience? Back <laughs> so Sharina has a very peculiar way of weeding people out. Stacey says she didn't realize it was that intense. <laughs> I just ignore Josh completely. Like, oh, Canadian They've got dungeons up there and those cold. I am getting so much sarcasm from the New Yorker right now. What the hell? But in all seriousness, if I could ask one question we'll to the group, I just want to know what people's hole in the ground with a basket. And you're supposed to just see lower it down. <laughs> Josh, that was a really important point. Just one second. <laughs> <laughs> you're always you're the, I, I know your tricks to just like yes you you yes dear me all the time uh-huh yeah okay anyway uh, so what's, the, what's the next question sorry i had a question um and maybe this will help brie as she moves into her um what are the best things you've implemented to create more automation in your practice and this can go to any of you guys and also if anybody wants to chime in on on the Facebook page with some answers, but what are some of the best things you've done for automation? Yeah, so we can use, have fewer, less staff is so awesome. Or to make it more like a McDonald's assembly line kind of staff. Yeah, uh, anything that you do more than three times a week, you wanna have an automated process. That's my goal. So if you're always grabbing the sharps container from the table over here to have it on the here that sharps container you can move closer or have two sharps containers in that room you can figure out ways to be more um efficient just by looking around and what take what's something you do over and over and over every day i like to automate anything that's on the phone anything that's by email anything that's on my exam those are the three because i do those all the time so any conversation coming in, I should have a paragraph or a couple of sentences. So as soon as somebody goes, hi, I'm calling about your... So you're talking about scripts at this point. It, it can be a script, but I have, you know, a telephone, new patient phone in form. I have a, you know, payment plan form. I have a calendar form. So if somebody goes, I need to rebook my appointment, rather than me going to the front desk and seeing what availability I have or having them go online to book, I just have a form that goes, I need to move my appointment from Tuesday to this time at this day. And I write it down and it gets entered in. Because it's, that information is captured. I don't have to be the person 
who has to rebook it, put it in the system, figure all that stuff out. It just, I get the, the form and the patient goes, I have to cancel Tuesday at three o'clock. I can come in Wednesday between three and five. It goes to the front desk. The front desk finds the appointment that's available between three and five and texts the patient. Here's your appointment. Quick and easy. It's automated. So anything that you can automate, anything that's like copy paste, my new patient package, uh, my marketing. Oh my gosh. My marketing is automated as much as possible. Um, your marketing plan, um, processes that you do over and over and over. If you want staff to take over pulling needles, you need to teach them how to do a needle count and what to do if they find a needle on the floor, right? If you want your staff to clean up each of the rooms, you want it each step by step. If you want them to make coffee, you want step by step. So my staff have a little checkbox, for example, here's what to do start a day, here's what to do middle day, here's what to do end of day, here's the filing, here's the calls, here's the, all of that to do. Anything that you don't like to do, you should have a process and have it automated and get it out. Is that good? Any other questions? Yeah, I was definitely gonna say the training manuals need to be automated and like, also like everything that you just explained but um and and this might be so obvious that it doesn't even need to be said but having an online scheduler embedded in your website so that patients i mean nobody calls my work phone anymore everyone schedules online and i love that um and the other thing is when people when people have care when people purchase care plans i like to i like to schedule their sessions all up front so that that's less work that the front desk has to do later because that patient, their whole care plan is now on my calendar and I know what my next three months at work look like. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Those are the only things I would add. That's awesome. And not, not everybody has online booking, but on the same token, you can still have your booking where it's pretty automatic, where, you know, patients have a regular time and maybe a backup time or they have a regular time for the next 10 weeks. So they just, they just know when they're supposed to be coming in. One more? What other, is there anything, Danielle, that comes to mind that you automate in your clinic? Um, I'm working on automating um, some emails for leads. And so I've just looked into a new software um, program that will track your leads and you can create campaigns where if you get a new lead, you've already pre-set up a bunch of emails that are timed out. And uh, so I'm looking into that. That's awesome. Um, someone wanted, oh, Adrian wants to know what online scheduler you use. That's for you, Katie. For I use, I use um, this was recommended to me by Rebecca, who's a, who's a big CMTWer, but she um, told me a couple years ago about Intake Q. And I really like that for, I use it to track packages and I use it um, for online scheduling, but I don't use it for payment processing because the fees are higher than my payment processor. <clears throat> There's lots out there. Just make sure it has all of the features that you want. That's, that's going to be my mm -hmm. okay. Software is rarely the solution. It's half the time the problem. Um, Don wants to know if you do your own insurance billing. I need to find a way to stop doing billing. Do you recommend a company? That's I don't take insurance, so I'm not the person to talk to about that. I, I don't have any insurance patients. Yeah, I'd put that up in a group and then you'll get a good answer there. 
Any questions from before, older questions that people posted early? I think we're good. Somebody, no, somebody asked Josh um, about being too expensive in a saturated yes. area. Yes. That was the question. I don't remember who asked it, but you had posted that to me. And it was like, I'm the most expensive clinic in my area, and my area is saturated. And that and was the word. And another, I thought that was hilarious. Well, I mean, it can feel that way, but I, uh, I wouldn't buy into that. Um, yeah, I want to tell you about a friend of mine that I met. Uh, he's an acupuncturist and he's a Canadian. So as Canadians, we have no insurance coverage. Everything is cash. Everything uh, is out of pocket. He is in an, a small town of 25,000 people total. Uh, everywhere people have to drive to get to him. Um, he sees 115 to 120 a week. Mm -hmm. So if you do the math, he says, I see two out of 10 people in my town. Nice. Now in his area, he's not the only acupuncturist. This is what I love. There's like three acupuncturists in town and he's still seeing that many. So if you're seeing 115 a week in a town of 25, I'm going to say, yeah, you're probably getting saturated because that's 40% of people. If it's not 40% of people, then it's just, it's not saturated. And I have no problem charging a little bit too much. If you're concerned, uh, you need to start asking your patients. If the patients are saying, yeah, you're too expensive or this is too much, go there. But if you know what your budget is and how, it, how much it costs you to deliver one treatment, you can't go below that. You know what I mean? Like if you know it costs you out of pocket $65 to deliver one treatment, you can't go below 75 or $85. Yeah, and you're not going to lower your rates. You're, going you're not going to lower your rates. Yeah, I, yeah. I am by far the most expensive in my town. Like I have five acupuncturists around the corner from me, and two of them are half my price. And yeah, all cash. I look at the people that are doing it that are that are charging the highest rate or close to it in their town, and uh, see what they're doing. People are doing it. So I'm really, definitely uh, the highest in my area. If you're good, people will pay for it. People don't walk out of restaurants because it costs too much. Yeah, other acupuncturists in your area do not dictate your value. Exactly. You do. So you have yeah. a lot more to offer. And, uh, you know. Exactly. And high price indicates, you know, some people might think, oh, well, he's really good because he's more expensive. So, no. I mean, it's oh, not always going to scare people. It's not going to scare the right people away. That's yeah. true. Way to yeah. put it. So. Yeah, the rate isn't the problem. It's the experience and the results. And yeah, you do want to get good results if you're charging that. I mean, I know that yeah. there's there's this idea that the skills don't matter, but they do. To say that one thing doesn't matter and another does, only another, you know, only one thing matters is not the case. Yeah. Somebody said, Adrian said, that was me. I charge 115 and I'm in South Austin next to two acupuncture schools. Yeah, and I, I know a clinic right there that's seeing 110 a week. Yeah, so and they just opened a second clinic and they're opening two more. So yeah, Adrian, see what they're doing. It's the not saturated three D. And uh, you know, mix it up a you little can bit. Do it. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Got how it? do you get over not feeling good enough? Did we answer that question? Oh, how do you get over not feeling I good enough? I ranted a little bit. Here's here's my short answer. Haley, did you pass your board exam? 
Yes. Perfect. Your board thinks you're good enough. Josh, did you pass your board exam? <laughs> no, I fell three times and they gave up. <laughs> and they gave up. <laughs> they were like, here, just you take everyone. You again. Yeah. Danielle, did you pass an exam or two? Awesome. Good news. Your profession thinks you are good enough. There so you go. this is a common question, especially for people that are new to the to the profession. And uh, you know, you hear things like fake it until you make it, you know? Um, like uh, what's the other one? Practice off of the experiences of others. You know what the medicine can do. So do that. There's all different things that you can do until you get that experience. But um, I know, have a little bit of a different take on this because I haven't gotten over not feeling good enough. I um, like, you know, I think like, so maybe 80% of me is like, <clears throat> knows that I'm awesome at everything or something. <clears throat> but that 20% that I always kind of question myself, like, you know, could I be doing this better? What do I have to change? You know, it's, for me, it's that it's a nagging insecurity and it serves as fuel for me to constantly exactly. reevaluate re and improve myself. So, so being, um, being able to, I don't know, look at that and find another way to apply that to your life might be helpful because it just doesn't have to be something that holds you back. It can be something that sets you flying forward. A hundred percent, Keely. Exactly. And would you agree that in five years from now, you're going to be even better than you are now? Of course. Of course. So in 15 or 20 years from now, you're going to be even better than you are now. So over the next little bit, that 20% was going to go like less and less and less and less. Absolutely. I think every single person on Facebook, not just in our groups, but every single Facebook person feels at times they're not good enough. And that's just a part of being human. And I think oh, yeah. right, it's yeah. all about how do we grow? How do we get better? How do we improve ourselves? Yeah, just I think there's, a like a, there's a time and a place where you just have to step up and, and, and extend to yourself a radical form of self-acceptance. Because I think people, the things that they don't give themselves permission to do holds them back in business and life. Absolutely. Yeah, and I wonder what it is because, I mean, 30 years ago, the medicine in this country now is leaps and bounds ahead of where, where it was 30 years ago, 20 years ago. 10 years ago, I mean, now you can get anything you want online. You can see incredible people getting amazing results, copy them, and know that you're plenty good enough. Because the fact is, is that you're in, you're in it now. This is the best time to possibly be in it. When everything is being shared Absolutely. and everything is being advanced at like Absolutely. ridiculous speeds. More checks. Of not yeah, no, no, that's cool. What's up? I was done. I forgot what I was going to say because I felt so bad for interrupting Well, and if you... I'll add on there. If you really, truly feel inadequate, mm -hmm. that's why you are doing these seminars, Josh, because there is a gap between what we learn in school mm -hmm. and what we need in order to be successful in business and in practice and to get results consistently. Yeah. So I think there are a number of skills classes out there to improve our needling techniques, our uh, pulse taking, so many different skills that we need from that technical side of things, but also the business side of things and the practice side of things and the marketing side of things and the huge online world that is online marketing side of things. And just taking even one class a year and investing in ourselves, like you're going to feel so much better about your skills 
having taken that one class and trying to put them into practice. I was, I was just getting treated by an acupuncturist last weekend. And she's like, she's kind of tons of classes. She's like, I'm still not as good as you. And I'm like, who cares? You're still, she's seeing more patients than I am. And she's like, I'm still not good enough. And I'm like, she's got better hands than I do. And for whatever reason, she still doesn't. Yeah. So well, it's a mindset issue. <clears throat> Yeah, let's not forget why CNTW even came about. It came about because of the status quo was less than acceptable. You know, what, they, yeah. what, the, what the schools are graduating as far as the graduates are just, the schools are not doing their job. I've been to other seminars 10, 15 years ago. I've been to other seminars and um, they just, they weren't, they weren't relevant enough. They weren't applicable. They weren't any of those things. So sure. you're going to take a seminar these days, chances are it's going to boost your confidence and it's Absolutely. going to be applicable. And that's something that we really strive to make sure because confidence should, you know, yeah, we all have our moments. We all have our thing, but it's really overall, I mean, you could be such a good practitioner. There's really, there's really nothing stopping you. Everything's out there. And then just getting in front of people and doing it, you know, so that's a big one. But any other questions? Is that it? I think that was it. Nice of Meg to join us right at the end. Sorry. Yes. Hi, Meg. There's a couple of Q&A. I handled them. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're good. Oh, can I share this one from Adrian? He says when he does interviews with um, with staff, he walks them to their car at the end of the interview so he can look inside the car. If it's as messy as my wife's car, I don't hire them. <laughs> yeah, well, by the time they're done, Adrian, you would not hire me. <laughs> but you know what? Also that's that true. I don't want a messy staff person. So I I might steal that. That's good. You guys would never hire me. What you got in there? What's in your car? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah, it does sound a little creepy, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we have inspired some people tonight. I hope we've changed some minds. I hope we've helped with some management staff. Does anybody want us to do this once a month? Danielle. Does anybody here want to do it once a month? I, I think I'd I be down. Fun. I think it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Keely and I are a good team yeah. and we can both hear each other. <laughs> yeah. Keely's a good part of the team and she plays nice. So yeah, okay. Well if you want us to do this once a month once a month, please comment in the uh, Facebook Live or in um the Zoom if you're watching on Zoom. But awesome. Okay. And then Thank you guys, it was nice chatting with you. These people need a lot of, uh, the other panelists here need a lot of convincing. So please put in yes if you think that you want uh, us to <laughs> live once Liv says yes. And yeah, um, well, she's up at three o'clock in the morning. So God bless her. <laughs> and let us know if you want Sharina and Keely to raid your clinic. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Like Gordon Ramsay style, like show up and. But it can't be in Canada because I'm a convicted felon in Canada won't let me in. So it has to be. No, no, no. You're just jaywalking or a felon. That's not saying much. I don't know, you know. I love that. This is how we're ending this thing. Oh, my God. Mike has a great question. Neely and I, we need to talk. You guys can come raid my clinic. I'll do that. My so new clinic. Be, oh, that'll be fun. That's lovely. Yeah. Perfect. Kitchen yeah. nightmare. Episode one. Oh, that's terrible. So are you going to be like John Tapper? On Bar Rescue? I don't know. I don't watch that show, so yes. Watch, just, it'd be worth watching it. Just to, It'll be the Bar Rescue of clinics where Sharina <laughs> goes in there and yells. 
and screams, and then and then coddles a little bit. <laughs> Why am I the bad is. guy? I don't know. Maybe I think Keely might need to take the. I know she's bad a guy role. convicted felon. I'd be more worried about her. I'm the. I could be the. I could be the bad guy. <laughs> I'm good. Well, somebody knows John Tapper. Seema says, there "Love John Tapper." There you go. <laughs> Please, every month, at least every season. Yeah, we can do a monthly. Awesome. I think, right? At least <sighs> as close to monthly as we can get. Only if Danielle will do it. I'm in. Danielle's going to report back after she speaks in front of those crowds. Mm. I will report. I'm going to be a heckler in the back. Danielle, do you have an engagement coming up that they're referencing? Uh, Josh is trying to sign me up for talks in my town. (laughs) Aww. He's pushing me. Yeah. Poking me. It's good. Talks are good. Well, you can call me if you want. (laughs) Thank you. Well, are you busy enough in practice? No, you know I'm in the middle of this renovation. So So I'm working on the behind the scenes automation stuff. Yeah. Yep. And Josh Josh is scheduling me for talks. Awesome. Yeah. You're coming at it all different all different sides. That's awesome. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. So all right. Thanks everyone. Thank you guys. All right. Take care. It was nice speaking with you all. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Keely and Danielle and Sharina. Both of us. Yes. And uh, sorry we started late, but that's what happens with the lovely technology. At least we know now. See you in Orlando. Keely's fault. See you in Orlando. Orlando. It's my fault. (laughs) Chris Valeski with the pulse. Can't wait. Oh, for I everybody on wait. the mailing list, if you're on the snail mail list, we have mailed you a flyer with a coupon code. So look out for that. And if you want to be on our future mailing list, we need to have your address in AccuBits. Yes. Awesome. Need your address to mail you something. Awesome. Otherwise, um, that's it. That coupon code's good for the end of January. So look in your mail. We, we sent out about 800 of them. Well, <clears throat> and see you in January. I'll be there. Thanks a lot, everyone. Are you going to Orlando in January, Josh? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Cam and I are going. Nice. Yeah. Are you? Oh, you want everybody <sighs> to Chicago. 